July 22nd, 2022. In the woods in the morning. It's a hot one. But, uh, progress, right? So jumping right into it. Honestly, what's on my mind is an extension of what I was talking about last night. It hasn't gone away. It's just gotten louder. Which is about my person but really it's not about my person and that's kind of what's on my mind is that some conversations that I had with Terry during our recordings yesterday and this comedy special that I saw of Bill Burr uh, the day before and obviously my person still not being in my life and with no end of that ever being in sight which is why I'm just trying to let go of any expectation or hope or belief that that'll ever happen. <laughs> All of those combined, what's on my mind is this kind of sense of chronic loneliness is the term that kind of comes to mind. And <clears throat> the reason I say it's about my person but it's not about my person is because I don't think it's on any one person to solve my loneliness, except for me. Um, and I don't know how prevalent this is, maybe this is every single human, you know, every human goes to bed at night and feels this profound sense of loneliness and and works to solve that and I, I do believe that finding your sense of center and truth and peace, part of that is realizing that you're not alone um, that you've never been alone, but like many things inside of me, there's two parts. There's what I intellectually believe and then what I feel belief, right? Very different things. It's like what you believe with your brain versus what you believe with your heart. And I'm trying really hard, gently, but adamantly to transfer what I intellectually believe into what my heart believes. Which is interesting because when I think about it, things that have changed intellectually in my belief system started with my heart. Um, like when around this time last summer when I really had some, when I sat down and meditated for the first time, truly attempted to meditate out of a desperation of, of pain and fear and everything going horribly wrong. It was something that I felt in my soul, in my heart, that, you know, realizing that I'm a part of something much bigger of the universe that changed my intellectual beliefs. But what stayed was my intellectual beliefs and what has wavered up and down is my staying in my heart. So that's very interesting and I, something I want to return to in terms of understanding this. But <clears throat> I'm just seeing how... I know intellectually that my person can't solve my loneliness. Even if she appeared in my life, we were able to overcome the obstacles that would need to be overcome to be together. I hate to think this, but like, let's say she passed away, you know? Here I am. Am I just, you know, gonna crumble forever? Will be lonely forever? And so, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know if everyone feels this regardless of their upbringing. But I'm 
based on conversations that I had yesterday in unhooked episodes. Um, and like I said, watching this comedy special with Bill Burr and things that he talked about, I just see so clearly how alone I've always felt. And even walking to the trailhead today, thinking about this, is kind of all spinning through my head, I realized even up to very, very recently, it might have only occurred to me truly in the last 24 hours and solidified in my mind on this walk, was that I've for a long time seen life as like 3D chess. That, you know, um, in interacting with people that, you know, it's, it's, there's all these factors to consider and motivations and beliefs that they are having and beliefs that you're having and outside influences and blah, blah, blah. But when you really step back and think about viewing the world that way, it's incredibly lonely because guess what? It's only you on one side of the chessboard, right? And, and I know that I've had to operate that way because that's the only way I understood to operate. I mean, I wasn't really... Like, I know, I've talked about my mom, I've talked about, I don't think she could be my mom and chose not to. I think that she was not capable of being the mother that she would and I wanted her to be. And that doesn't change the impact. It doesn't, you know, it's good to understand that she wasn't being malicious, it's good to understand that, but me understanding that as a child, which I did understand as a child, means I internalized it and said, well then, it's my fault for, if I'm even saying anything about how I'm in pain, then I'm just beating her up. I'm like, I'm, I'm a child, like, I need, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, th there was, there was definitely a skewed, I internalized her inability, right, to my detriment. And then with my dad and my stepmom, um, their focus was my dad first, you know, before my stepmom even showed up in my life, his focus has always been more in, into security. Like that's his highest priority, security. And I'm not sitting here complaining and just being all woo with me because the truth is that security is allowing me to have the space right now in this moment to try to heal and pursue my dreams, which are one and the same, really, because if, in a lot of ways, I mean, you know, really simple about it, my business my life is about trying to bridge the gap of other people that are lonely and confused and lost and trying to grow and trying to have conversation that allows them to grow, right? So it's all one and the same. And my stepmom was, is, you know, they're, they're very similar in a lot of ways. So I would say security was certainly high on her list. And again, same thing. I'm not didn't bring my dang stick. I'm not sitting here complaining about it. It's just, that's what it was. Just like my mom. It's, you know, she wanted to be a mom, but she couldn't be. So, you know, it's good to understand that. And, uh, but not internalize it, which I did as a child. <laughs> and then with my dad and stepmom, um, it's, you know, I'm grateful for what they were able to give and be and currently what they are able to give and be. Um, but it doesn't change the impact, right, of what was. 
and then there are things, you know, because they were focused on security, um, and there was a lot of stressful things, of course, that's how life is, that were happening, and they just did their best, you know, obviously, and I'm grateful for that, but as a result, I felt very much alone in the world, and, um, I didn't feel like I had anyone asking me, you know, how do you, what do you think, what do you feel, and I didn't, I even have resentment towards my mom in that my stepmom did do that initially, some, in the beginning, I remember when I was, you know, a child, and we very quickly, I mean, I was, I remember advocating for my parents for my stepmom and my dad to get married and like telling dad she's the one she's the one i was not a fan of the other people he dated but i was all for them and we me and my sisters started calling her um mom i mean it was got like very very real and her biological mom flipped the f out and was like i am your mother she is not your mother. <laughs> Very terrifying. And it's like, no, you're not. You, you birthed us, but you, you are not the mother that uh, we support and warmth and safety, safety being key, that we, we crave. But we listened because our mom was terrifying. And the resentment that I'm speaking to is that I think, I think my relationship with my stepmom could have been in very different it's like there is something because we call her by her name i'm not saying her name very intentionally because privacy and stuff but we call her by her name what other people call her and i think my my belief is and i don't know if this is true but my belief is is that that created it was a constant reminder that she was our stepmom and she in with very good intentions obviously was very careful about not overstepping her boundaries, right? And she never asked us to call her mom. Like, that was entirely <laughs> us, right? Um, she was very, very intentional about respecting the boundaries. And I think because, I don't know, there was so many stressful variables that were happening all in that time zone. I mean crazy things that I could go into on so many levels from so many directions, right? But the point is, is it, I definitely have resentment towards my mom of like, not only were you not our mom, you took away our, our possible mom in a lot of ways. You created this divide even harder and made it constantly clear. Now, I don't know, maybe everything would have been the same, but I, I believe that if our stepmom heard us always saying mom to her, that that original inquisitiveness that she had when we were when we first met her would have really been fostered and nurtured and stayed and then that could have made a huge difference um, that things could have been uncovered a lot sooner about what was going on in our lives that they had no idea about um, because I remember um, when I was nine, ten years old, maybe just turned 11, I don't know, but I was, like, writing my best friend's name on my binder, 
and like I think it was a heart and my stepmom asked about it and I told her straight out like oh yeah you know I, I don't remember what words I said but like I love her or I'm in love with her or whatever and my stepmom at the time just was you know just didn't go one way or the other just was like oh you know that's sweet and not trying to you know just let it be which I think was important um, so even though technically I came out when I was, as a lesbian, I came out um, when I was like 12, 13 years old, really, truly, technically, the truth is I came out when I was like 9, 10, 11 years old. And it was because my stepmom was inquisitively present and there um, and asked a question. <sighs> but that's not how life went, right? Um, she had her things, she had her life, she had her situation, my dad, same, and then of course my mom was just scary and scary. And I think what all of this is what I'm trying to say is there were other, fa other adults in my life outside of the three that I've gone into detail about, but they were not you know, they, they saw me as a problem. They saw, just like my parents did to a degree, saw uh, my symptoms, not the cause. And I internalized that. And, you know, I'm the problem. I'm the mess up. I'm the mean person. I'm the, you know, screw up here. Even though it's like a freaking child. Again, <laughs> let's be really clear about that. Um, and I would lay in bed every night unable to sleep like that's when I think of my childhood half of it is me laying in bed at night I can't sleep and dreading the next day when I have to start it all over again I think that's partially no I think that's big why I was so into Harry Potter and still am um <laughs> yeah the author can't take that away from me I don't care what she says about trans stuff I'm going to be critical about her you know what she's saying and how she wrote and what she, the stereotypes she brought into the readings but or writings, but she ain't taking that away from me. She already's ruining things by being hateful, so I'm not trying to let her take that. Anyway, sidebar. Point is, once I got introduced to Harry Potter, um, I would read that all the time. I mean, every night, over and over and over, to the point, I mean, I still, I fall asleep listening to audiobooks. It's just background noise. You know, some people watch or have, like, you know, The Office or whatever in the background. It's just background noise. Harry Potter's my been buying background noise for almost two decades. <laughs> now that I think about it, and I would take it to school. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't sleep, so I would just stay up over and over reading it, you know. And then I'd hear my parents coming down the stairs, and I would turn off the lights real quick, <laughs> um, so I wouldn't get in trouble. But I just then I'd read them in school. I remember being in history class and having it under the desk, and my history teacher giving me a hard time about it, and. It's, I think, because I was and am very deeply alone in the world and feeling from a very early age that I have to navigate things. I have to navigate morals and uncomfortable situations and fights with adults from a very young age. I was even reflecting this morning about how there was things that happened when I was like four years old, and I'm like, why did the adult that was present not bring this to my parents' attention? Or maybe they did, and my parents didn't do anything about it. I don't know. I, I'll never really know, I don't think. And I almost don't want to know at this point, because it's just too painful for me. But I just was always... Oh, 
like, yeah, I just, I'm thinking about these, the, the reason I'm thinking about these other adults is I saw some of them, one of them in particular, uh, yesterday when I was driving, and I was all good, and then I saw them, and then I was not so good, and that happens every time I see them, because it's like, you're a full-grown adult attacking and fighting a child, why don't you, <sighs> it's like, <laughs> fight someone your own size, you know what I mean, but, whatever, obviously I'm still bitter, <laughs> but, all of this to say is my person was not in my life during any of this, right? Um, and so it's it's not on her to solve, but I think the reason that I have such a hard time of letting her go, letting go of that hope, is because she's like the person that I've dreamed of my whole life. You know, like literally I've had dreams about her, but also figuratively, even before I started having actual dreams about her, which started about seven, eight, nine years ago and have continued. But I literally every night as a child dreamed of someone that and daydream because I was awake daydreamed about or night dreamed, whatever, about someone who I could trust entirely that. I knew loved me not because I was doing what they needed me to be or do or whatever or say or not say, but because of me. And that I could see them and love them not because they were perfect, but because they were perfectly imperfect. That they, I trusted them and I knew that they had their my best interests at heart. I knew that they saw me, truly saw me, all of my imperfections. And they loved me more because of it, not less, not tolerating it, but because they loved me. <laughs> and I, my whole life, the closest I felt like I had been seen, capital S, seen, was by my middle sister in the last several years, my therapist, who I started working with two and a half years ago. And then... Over the last year or two, you know, eventually, you know, eventually in process, Terry. But all of them are certain relationships, sister, therapist, friend. This person, of course, is the closest, the most truly intimate person. And I know that she is not, it is not healthy for her to solve, quote unquote, solve my loneliness, or any of that. And I know it's also normal and healthy to crave a partner, right? I think it's it's probably deep in our genes, animalistically, coupling off your safer, right? I understand that, that it's normal and healthy to crave someone that you are so compatible with and trust so deeply. But... And I, I want that to exist simultaneously. It's not one or the other. That can exist. And at the same time, this deep, painful well of loneliness that I have felt my entire life cannot be solved by her either. Like the only person that can solve that or, or be that is me. And I think that that's truly why I can't let her go. 
why I'm struggling so hard is because it's like letting go of the end of our last year. So letting go of 30, 30 years of I don't even know, I can't find the words, but I don't know, I can't find the words. And I'm not, maybe whoever's watching this, I know this, but let's be clear here, I'm not I'm pointing out the factors that led to this moment. I'm not sitting here blaming anyone in particular, even my mom. It's, it's there are so many factors and things that I didn't even talk about. I alluded to, but I did not talk about. They were going on that led to this moment. My point is that all of these things happened. Maybe everyone senses a profound place of loneliness. When I look around, I see people running in every direction just like i'm chasing after this person and i can't let her go i see people running from themselves in every way that they can run from themselves whether it be alcohol or parties or you know drugs or over exercising or food or throwing themselves into their career or playing 3d chess or whatever like i see it it's it's actually i feel like I only know one person, maybe. Maybe two. That I don't see them constantly running. Who are very present and comfortable. They, you can only be comfortable in your presence. Or you can only be present chronically. <laughs> if, you're, if you're comfortable in your presence. Right? In your truth. And... And I have gotten way more comfortable when I first met this person. The idea, the knowledge that I couldn't be with her with, I mean, on the floor, sobbing, pain. You know, I've gotten, as I feel like on a weekly basis, I go through this cycle of pain, of, of, of missing her and hating that I can't be with her. But the cycles have gotten easier, relatively, and longer so it's not like every day it's you know every week or every two weeks and when I do I'm not sobbing on the ground like last night when I was doing my check-in I it was hard but I did resist crying there was two times in particular during the check-in where I just was like this close to just sobbing and maybe it would have been good if I did because I didn't end up crying and then I ended up staying up all night half awake half dreaming and not getting real sleep right so I don't know it doesn't matter it's past but <sighs> point is is I'm getting to the point where that I am my own person but I think part of getting to that point and staying at that point because I do get to that point but staying there is understanding why am I even in the battle that I'm in why am I um what is going on like that's always helped me get through to the next is to understand the why understand the present and understand where i'm going and how what do i have the ability to impact or influence 
because I can't control everything. And I'm done with the 3D chess. I don't want to play 3D chess anymore. I'm all about having strategy for my business. Heck yeah. Like, I have all of my projects. They're all spiderweb together. So if one takes off, they all, presumably all will take off. You know, like, that is a strategy, but that's not relationships. Those, those are projects. Those are creations. Those are... I don't want to do 3D chess anymore. I used to think I was so... I was, like, proud of myself almost for it. And it's like, nah. <laughs> that's sad. That's incredibly lonely. That's not... It's not worth the payoff. It just isn't. And that's not to say I won't be strategic or that thoughtful or be aware of what people are feeling and thinking and what their motivations are and their experiences to allow myself to communicate and understand the entire conversation that I'm having with someone or relationship. I mean, those are important things, but I don't want to be 3D chessing anymore. I, I just want to be... What's the, the, the equivalent of this? I want to just be dancing, right? I want to be moving through life. I want to take every opportunity and seize opportunities that I would have never thought of but that appear because I'm not controlling for everything. I'm not trying to predict and have expectations. I just want to be present and go with what is. So that's what's on my mind today. <laughs> I think I'm going to leave it there. I know it's kind of an abrupt end, but the things that are spinning through my mind are more or less more of the same. And this is the longest I've checked in I've done in a while. So I think it's good. But I am grateful for everything I've experienced. And I'm grateful for this opportunity to reflect on what's going on. And I hope that maybe someday someone might watch this and realize a lot of these things resonate with them. And it will help them understand their present situation and allow them to be in a... to navigate towards a place in which they're not running. Navigate to a place in which they are. They're just... they are. That's what I'm trying to do. Well, I love you, Alex. And I've always been there for you. Even if it didn't feel like it or it couldn't see me. I've been here. I have. I love you.